0: Oh, goodness, resurrection, are you ready for a brighter day? A brighter day. Jesus' love just made you feel so secure, just a brighter day. Did you hear that in the words? A brighter day. We already practiced La Familia this morning. I don't know if you noticed or not. But I noticed this one thing happened right after children's time. My 12-year-old, who becomes 13 tomorrow, had Dylan, who's just one. Okay? Okay. And so so he was wandering around over here with Dylan in his arms, knowing he wasn't supposed to take Dylan out there. Mama Mary Perez was over here looking for where, uh, where was Dylan. And it was just a moment of church family, a moment of knowing that it takes a village, a moment of knowing that beyond mom and dad, beyond all of these stereotypes, that there is a family, a La Familia that's huge. That's bigger than we can define. That's bigger than we can imagine that God creates, that God creates for us. So a brighter day, you know, I'm ready for some brighter days. I'm ready to celebrate joy, celebrate love, celebrate all those things that are wonderful for us. And you know, doesn't it just kind of tick you off though when your brighter day makes someone else feel like they've lost something? When your brighter day just kind of makes them grumpy because you're having a bright day for some reason, something must have been taken away. Have you ever experienced that? Tell you what, I know it and I see it all the time and I'm still going to celebrate a brighter day. I'm going to still celebrate Jesus in my life and that love that helps me know God is with us and with me in that brighter day. No matter who is doing the grumbling, no matter who is doing the grumbling. So we have some wonderful members who helped found this group called Gender Affinity, Colt and Becca and some others. Yeah. It's real exciting that it's gotten so big that they couldn't meet here anymore, and then they were at the Pelton uh, Children's Center, and they couldn't meet there anymore, and now they're meeting at University of Houston. That's exciting. It's exciting. And we celebrate with Joy their capacity to have psychologists and psychiatrists and caregivers and doctors and lawyers all be present for this conference so that people have support of what they need in their life, so that parents know how to bring their kids into this world with gender diversity, you know, to celebrate what will emerge instead of what we already know they are. Right? You hear that? Celebrate what will emerge rather than what we know that they are. So we were rejoicing in that wonderful thing happening at U of H, and it caused someone else to start grumbling, as you might imagine. Westboro Baptist Church showed up, and Colton Beck, I told you last week, asked me to manage the counter-protest. A positive, joyful presence is what they wanted, and I said, I can do positive and joyful. I know how to do that. That's our faith. Demonstrate love and action here at Resurrection. So I know how to do that. And I'd be happy to do that for you. And so we weren't quite sure what was going to happen, if they'd actually show up, what was going to be a part of the whole thing. And finally, they did show up. And so I was helping people get ready for the protest. And there's a picture of us as we lined up at one of the corners that I want to share with you. You can see me far up the sidewalk over there standing on the curb saying, Stay off the sidewalk. Stay off the sidewalk. Uh, because if we had too many people, and if we were blocking people's walking, they would move us away. Or they would shut us down. So I can, I can do that as, as a part of my work as a pastor in our community. And what was wonderful about this is that as Westboro showed up, we not only had that corner covered, we had two other corners covered, and we had a median between us covered because we had so many people, we couldn't stay in one place anymore yeah. as we started that. So this gender conference, infinity, recognizing that one name, one label cannot contain anybody. You know, whoever it is, we think we know someone. Once we name them, they surprise us and they tell us something else. You know, that wonderful diversity and that wonderful learning, you know, made some people grumble, made them uncomfortable. I love it that Eileen, in this picture here, this was her first protest ever. And look at that gray hair. She's not here this morning. I was going to tease her, but uh, Eileen, she, she made me have to think. Luke 10:27. I had to go home and look it up. You know, I didn't just pop to me like this. It's a couple of verses before the Good Samaritan story. That's where they say, what's the greatest law? The greatest law is love God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your soul. And then the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And neighbor, we know Jesus says, is everyone. So here she gave us a Bible test, you know, it wasn't the usual John passage, it was Luke 10:27, and I had to go look it up. I think that's pretty good for your first protest when you have gray hair. <laughs> I, I, think that's, I, think that's, I think that's pretty good. So in the midst of anyone else's grumbling, we have to remember to continue to not let people contain us. We have to remember to not let those voices, however loud they are, come at us in ways that make us less than who we are or make us afraid to be who we are. And so we experienced that again last night with Jesus Christ Superstar. I don't know how many of you came here. The place was packed. The place was packed. The choir was great. The voices were wonderful. The orchestra was terrific and Boy, it brought me back all those years. Some of you remember the first time we did those in churches. But uh, it reminded me. It reminded me that in this story, there were all these different categories that we might label as one. We might say these people are Jewish. And in the story, you had the Jewish elite who had made their places of power. In the story, you had the Jewish people who were happy to be healed. And we're shouting and singing Hosanna and the choir did a great job breaking up last night and shouting Hosanna and being healed and saying, keep healing us, Jesus. While the other people, the elitists, were kind of angry that all of this ruckus was going on and wanted the peace restored and then planned to kill Jesus. And then we've got Jesus himself who is Jewish. And so to say they are Jewish doesn't necessarily tell the whole story. Because they come from different places and different experiences, some of them were have, some of them were have not, some of them needed to be healed, some of them were ready to put their life on the line, you know. And so, the minute that that happens, they started some grumbling. You know, people were kind of upset that other people were getting healed. Can you imagine that? Other people finally knew what joy was in life, and they started singing in the streets, singing in the streets called the power holders at that time, caused them to grumble. And then we end up with the crucifixion. Someone that was practicing for, you know, this makes Jesus sound like a criminal, this Andrew Lloyd Webber production. And I said, well, let's go read the Bible again. (laughs) You know, the human Jesus was charged with crime and executed as a criminal. And to by his own people. So what does it mean when we have these labels for whole groups of people that aren't big enough? Transgender, Jewish. And as we come into Hispanic Heritage Month, what is it we mean by the label Hispanic? And is it a word that we can use? Uh, and what is that in our lives? And so many of our folks we know identify with one word or another, who come from a heritage that they might say is Hispanic or not. And so, being the white guy that I am, (laughs) and recognizing that I didn't know enough, I decided to listen to some scholars and some of our people. And we even went as far as to watch YouTube multiple times to find people telling their stories of what language meant for them and what this was about. And so I want to share some definitions, definitions with you because you might be surprised after hours of doing this, nobody agreed. Nobody agreed. It was a category that no one could get the same definition on. Some people saw Hispanic and they said, that means anything south of the U.S. in the continents, which is too big. Because there's many countries south of the U.S. that don't identify as Hispanic at all or don't share the Spanish language as some others define it as. And so these are some things I liked. And and one of the definitions of Hispanic was a sense of community through a connection to Spain. So people who have a connection and feel a connection to Spain may call themselves Hispanic. Look at the definition of Latino from the same person. A sense of community through a history of colonization from Spain. So persons who might identify more with the fact that Spain was a colonizing nation that came and conquered uh, might use the word Latino instead of the word Hispanic. And I guess they kept looking for definitions, a variety of definitions that kept shifting and changing, and and no one agreed. I asked one of our members yesterday, okay, so tell me what Chicano is, and he says, well, you've asked the right person because I have the right answer. Because I identify as Chicano. And Chicano is a person who's proud of both their American and their Mexican heritage. A person who celebrates both these cultures wholly and together and doesn't understand themselves to be Hispanic, but understands them to be something Mexican and something American that is both proud and both strong. I am Chicano, he said to me proudly, knowing he had the right answer. And so as a people, as we explore this, we need to recognize that there's no one answer for all of this, and we have to ask each person individually how they understand themselves to be. But I want to share with you a little bit more of what I learned. This Latino slash Latina slash ampersand slash X. That's up there on the screen. So some of you may have seen Latino, Latina, and understand male and female. Some of you may see Latino with the ampersand, which means... It's supposed to cover both sexes, male and female, together in that one way of saying it. And then Latina X is supposed to be, or Latin X, and sometimes pronounced Latinao, means all the variety of gender within Latin communities. And as we looked at some of these scholars, they defined Latin American, uh, or Latin cultures as those that come from the Romance language of Rome, that based with Latin. But you know, that included Italy and France, and all these other places. And so there wasn't really one good answer, the scholars or any others alike. And I liked this answer for Chicano from, from a YouTube video, so it's very scholarly. <laughs> but there's this couple that an interviewer was asking, what's Latino? And so they gave a beautiful definition of Latino. Latino. Beautiful definition of Latino. And then they said, what's the definition of Chicano? And this is part of the words from that couple. They said, Chicano is from the streets. It came from the struggle. Brown is beautiful. Mexico and United States, Mexican-Americans to express pride and shared cultural, ethnic, and community identity. And so they talked about it with passion, both Latino, what that meant, and what Chicano meant. And then he said, okay, so what's Hispanic mean? And the couple turned and looked at each other and started laughing. They did. The couple, brilliant, the other two answers to this. And they started laughing and they said, that's a white word. (laughs) So here we are celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month, which is the U.S. designation of Hispanic Heritage Month, right? And this couple immediately from the core of their hearts just started laughing at each other and said, that's a white word. You know, the U.S. puts that on the census, and it no more says who we are than anything. That's a white word. So we just need to hear from people how they identify and how they want to be known in this world. So when we celebrate humanity as everyone, this word gender we know is bigger than we can imagine. Even the name for Jew is bigger than we can imagine. The name for Hispanic, Latina, Chicano is bigger than we can imagine. And we can't assume who someone is. Our singer this morning is from Venezuela. Several people in the choir came to me after the first sermon and said, I'm from here, and I'm from here, and so thank you for saying that. You know, and I didn't know until the door was opened. Did not know until we asked in some ways. So what does this have to do with the book of Esther? The book of Esther is about a people known as Jews who didn't anymore live in their homeland, It's written to the Jews in the diaspora, which means around the world, other places than Israel, is what the book of Esther is about. It's about a family. We don't know if they're first generation, second generation, or third generation where they live. But it's about them living in a culture not necessarily their own. And it's about Jewish people not defined by their faith as much as Jewish people defined by their ethnic identity. And so, at that time, in the capital of called Susa, in the citadel, there was a family, and a man named Mordecai. And what the book is telling you when it says all that is telling you that Mordecai's kind of made it. Whether he's first generation or second generation, Mordecai's made it. He works in the court. He's a part of the upper class of this area. He has some power. And because Mordecai has some power, the book will go on, and the story to talk about other people start grumbling. And they want to put Mordecai in his place. And we're going to hear about that in the next couple of weeks. But today what we learn is Mordecai has a definition of family that's bigger than mom and dad, two cars in the garage, a couple of dogs, and a couple of kids. When there's a baby that needs a home, Mordecai adopts them. The story says it was possibly Mordecai's cousin but adopted them because as the Midrash continues the story, not in our Bible, but in Jewish teaching, they continue the story and they say that Esther's father had died after the mother became pregnant and that Esther's mother actually died in childbirth. So that's the, folk, that's the story that goes around this in Jewish culture. So as an infant... Mordecai, someone who's made it in the city of Susa, says, I have a bigger family, and I have a family that includes this infant. I didn't know it was going to be my family, but today it is. And I tell you, queer people of God, you know, I see you doing this all the time. I see you taking in young people, infants, adults that need help, I see you defining family. We know we call it family of choice, but also I see you even define it bigger as any of those in your range that need help. We're practicing la familia when we do that. We are practicing this deep value that is expressed in Latina, Chicana, Hispanic culture when we reach out in those ways. I've seen some of you take care of kids that will get yanked away from you, and then when that parent goes back to jail, take care of them again or goes off the wagon. I've seen some of you be able to make those kids have a good home and even legally adopt them. And I've seen some of you say, we're going to take the risk regardless of what, because the kid matters. You know, this is a different form of la familia when we reach out in these ways to take care of children. Like Mordecai did with Esther, he didn't know what was going to happen next. But he received Esther into his home. Goodness, Walter and I have too many stories about adoption now, so you're not going to hear those this morning. <laughs> Between those of you I've seen here, you are already practicing this La Familia, whether you claim Hispanic, Latina, Chicana heritage or not. There's this value that goes deeper and beyond. I want to share with you a, friend of, uh, a story of a friend of mine. Her name is Minerva. And Minerva grew up in Edinburgh, Texas, if you'll know where that is, it's a border town. And when Minerva grew up there, her father had first worked in the US under the Bracero program which was ended because of money challenges. And then her father came back into the United States illegally. Because that program ended and he wasn't supposed to be here, but because of the need for work and the need to take care of his family, he moved them just inside the border and they settled in Edinburgh. And as she grew up, she knew Spanish first and learned English later. As Minerva kept going on in her life, she, at one time she told her family, I feel called to be a pastor. And her father said, go back to washing the dishes. Can you imagine that? Go back to washing She was 14 years old. She says her father never recovered from having been treated like a drug dealer back when they tried to finally settle here. And that as a second-generation woman, what it meant for her to be between her father and that generation and between her daughter, Sophia, who was so different from many of those who had come before. And I knew Minerva in my work with the United Methodist Church. She was a faithful, faithful uh, supporter of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people. And Minerva was called. I knew that after she became a pastor. And then there was a point in time when she was called to be a bishop in the United Methodist Church. But because she was a woman, and because she was Latina, and because she lived in Texas, she couldn't get elected. And so she moved to the Pacific Northwest, and that year was elected as a bishop of the United Methodist Church. And why? Yes. Yay. <laughs> and I share you the story with you because she was the first Latina bishop of any Protestant denomination in the United States. And you know there are no Latina bishops in the Catholic Church, right? No Latina priests in the Catholic Church. No, right, so, so this was a big deal for that to happen in her life. When she became bishop, she gave me this. This was her stole with her rainbow colors on it. She wasn't getting rid of the rainbow colors. She was just making sure I had a gift. So Minerva is part of my family. She's a part of my family because Walter and I share a godson, Samuel, with her. And when we go to visit the moms in New Jersey that work in D.C., we, on Maryland and work in D.C., we are able to hear stories of what's going on in the Carcaño family and how big Sophie is getting and what's happening. And so we're thankful for our life with her and that she defines family so big. It includes the son of a lesbian couple. It includes two gay dads. It includes all these other folks because family is bigger than we can imagine. But where we are as a country still, Her first assignment was to the desert southwest region of the United States, which includes New Mexico and Arizona. And so her first assignment as a bishop, the first congregation, Methodist congregation she went in, one of the members came up to her and spit in her face. We have some work to do. But she stayed with the Spirit in her life and continues to serve. I love her, and I want you to love her too, and so I want you to hear this clip in her own words, because I think you will. Love her. So whenever any new group of people says, it's a brighter day, it's a brighter day, it's a brighter day, sometimes we have to face those who grumble, those who show up with picket signs, those who spit in your face, those who try and say you're less than you really are, and we have to hold on to indeed God, you're doing a new thing, indeed God, this is a brighter day. And whenever anyone wants to simplify us into one word, be it Jew, be it transgender, And say they know what that means. Or Hispanic. And don't ask you who you are. We're not following the spirit of God. I want to end with a final little definition I found that I loved. And this is from the Pew Research Center. It says, who's Hispanic? Anyone who says they are. (laughs) And nobody who says they aren't. Ethnicity is self-reporting. Just like on the census. So people of God know That as we go into this month, Hispanic Heritage Sunday, we're going to go through this book of Esther and we're going to learn more and more about what we can't put in a box. Thanks be to God that the Spirit is here so we can have a brighter day. Amen.